<coughs> oh man, you have to remember the moment of pain as you have very little time. This is the Bhajan Dukkha Valley Gaudi on page 229. You are engrossed in the business of the world. You are supposed to remember but you have forgotten God. Without the Nam, your life will be ruined. You have very little time. Mother, father, sister, brother, no one comes near you. In the court of the Lord, there is no support except the Master. Every single moment is going to be counted. You have very little time. In the womb of the mother, you live tongue upside down. <coughs> Do not forget how you were protected there. The master protects your honor from beginning to end. You have very little time. Oh, beloved Satguru, forgive our faults. Oh, giver Sawan, forgive our sins. Listen to Ajayb. It is his hearty plea. You have very little time. Oh man, you have to remember the moment of pain as you have very little time, very little time. Oh, 
of our hearts what crime have we done that you quietly go away from us as long as the breaths flow we cannot forget you if you do not believe it put your hand on our heart and see I was yours I am yours I was yours ever since I loved you why should I be afraid when I have loved you I have come to your door with hopes and expectations. It is up to you whether becoming the Samhain of happiness you give us alms or send us away empty-handed. Try us. I will come swimming across as Sohani came, but at least once sit with a jabe and go through the pages of our hearts. O oh, Kripal, Come and sit with us and go through the pages of our hearts. What crime have we done that you quietly go away from us? Bhajan of Sanchi on page 266. 
दर तेरे ते आई हा कुछ आस उम्मीद ले के दर तेरे ते आई हा कुछ आस उम्मीद ले के पाद केर जा मोदत काली खुशिया दे सावन बन के पाद केर जमोदत काली खुशिया दे सावन बन के हो कौन कनामी साथो लंग जंदो चुप कर के लंग जंदो चुप कर के आखिर पाकोल बैते सांदे कोली लादे वार के होई कौन कनामी सातो लंग जंदो चुप कर के लंग जंदो चुप कर के विक परक के सानु सोनी वांग अजावंगी तार के विक परक के सानु सोनी वांग अजावंगी तार के पर एक बार बेको अजैब दे फोड़ी लाते वार के फरीक वारी बेकोल जाब दे फोड़ी लाते वार के हो इकोन कनामी साथो लंग जंदो चुप कर के लंचंदो चुप कर के आखिर पाकोल बैते सांदे फोड़ी लादे वार के होई कौन कनामी सातो लंग जंदो चुप कर के लंग जंदो चुप कर के ओकरपाल come and sit with us and go through the pages of our hearts what crime have we done that you quietly go away from us It will be a potluck as, Su <laughs> as Susie Moulton's after satsang. Maps are on the counter. Please leave quietly as some of the dear ones want to sit for a while after satsang. What did... Uh, I want to do several things today. Um, they all, in my my view, they are all connected. 
I want to begin by reading a fairly substantial section from Master Kripal's talk, How I Met My Master, which is included in the book, The Coming Spiritual Revolution, which I will be reading from. <coughs> this is a talk that uh, is extraordinary talk in my view. I, um, I was there when Master gave it. It began with a simple question. Um, Mr. Kana actually said he would like to know how the Master met his Master. And Master laughed and he began to talk. And he talked and talked and told the story. And then Taiji came in um, and sang and Master commented on the bhajan and then somebody asked a question based on that and Master talked about that. And somehow he, he, he worked um, from just telling the simple straightforward story of how he met his Master, he worked into a very remarkable I don't know what to call it, discourse, I guess, is the generic term, um, in which he combined long quotes from memory from the Gospel of John, in which Jesus talks to his followers the night before his death, and tells them basically that they have loved him, so they have nothing to be afraid of. and coupled with kind of a meditation contest between him and Taiji. And it's a curious juxtaposition, and yet Master weaves them in together, and he makes very some very powerful points. And since Sanchi has left, this particular section of this particular talk has become more and more important to me. I will say the quotes from um, the Gospel of John they're from the farewell discourses, are all from memory. Master had no note cards and he didn't have the Bible with him. He had obviously memorized these sections um, from the King James Bible, word for word. And obviously they meant a great deal to him. It always seemed to me afterwards, I used to say this was, that was his favorite part of the Bible. All right, this is the, basically the concluding portion. It's not quite the concluding portion, but basically it is of how I met my master. All masters, whenever they came, said the same thing. The tenth guru of the six said, Hear ye all, I tell you the truth. Irrespective of whether you belong to one religion or the other, that makes no difference. Through love alone, you can know God. All others also said the same thing. Those who do not know love cannot know God. Christ said, if you love me, keep my commandments. What did he say? I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. 
but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you again. If two men, four men, love the same man, that is a point for consideration. True love is where there is no question of competition. When there are two lovers of the same master, they compete. One says, I should be in front, and the other says, I should be in front. But love knows no duality, <coughs> no competition, no anger, and no coming to the front. Just judge your love for the master. Why does all this conflict remain among the followers? Because they have not got real love, I tell you. If they have got real love, love knows no competition. Each one will be happy the more he can put his shoulders to the wheel for the same cause. Christ said further, but the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Peace I leave with you, my peace will remain with you forever. So as I told you, love knows no competition. When two followers of the same master do not agree, one says, I am in the forefront, and the other says, I am in the forefront. What is the result? To me, apparently, such a follower has no love for the master, true love. He has love for the master for selfish motives. He wants to come near to him, to the forefront of him. So love is the remedy for all things. Love and all things shall be added unto you. That's the pity. We don't love. And then Christ said, as the Father hath loved me, so I have loved you. Continue ye in my love. If you keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I kept my Father's commandments, and I abide in his love. He loved his Master, his God. He said, I give you a new commandment. Love one another. There we are wanting, I tell you. I have been pressing this point very much ever since I've come. This is the only remedy for all our ills. If one man goes ahead, it is his grace. In the beginning, I used to put in more time. I was transferred to Rawalpindi. The first day I was there, everybody knew it, a follower of the master. They were saying this and that thing. That even came to be known to Bibi Hardevi, that is, of course, Taiji, who is sitting here. Taiji was actually sitting on the floor at Master's feet at this point. She never knew me before that. People said, well, he's here. He's a very great follower of the Master. She said, what greatness lies in him? He puts in six hours a day in meditation. She said, all right, if he puts that in, then I'll put in six seven hours, and then I'll meet him. Such like competition is good. And Master was laughing throughout all this, by the way, a lot. And so is everyone else. You see, we want to eclipse others. 
We want to eclipse others by placing ourselves in the front. So she did not come to see me, I tell you, and he was really breaking up at this point, for months on end. When she put in six or seven hours a day, then she, along with her husband, came to see me. And only when? When my son died. I was quite jolly, and the doctor came in the night. He gave my son this and that thing. I told him, all right, give him whatever you wish. He has to go. Let him finish his give and take. At about midnight, he took the breath of death. He had a long period of vomiting and became cold. I had sent for the doctor, and when he came, he said, I'll give him some medicine and he'll be all right. But in the morning, my son was quite ready to go. The doctor said, oh, he now looks better all of a sudden. I said, wait outside, he's just going. So I looked at him and he passed away. At that time, everyone came to see me. And I'm relating this to show how this family, Taiji and her husband, came in contact with me. She and her husband also met me and they were wonderstruck. Your son has died and you're quite jolly. It's not usual not to worry and to be like that. A lot of people came to visit and they said somebody in the Sikh temple had said that here's a true Sikh coming up. He's a credit to our religion. And her husband heard about it and thought he must be a follower of my master. He never knew me before. He went and inquired about it and it was so. He told them, look here, he's my brother who has been going and sitting at the feet of my master. So they came to pay me their condolences and they were wonderstruck. What did I do? I gave them tea and this and that thing. So such like competition is good. Now what one man does, others reflect on it. Put your shoulders to the wheel. The more one progresses, the better. Why are there all these conflicts? Because we do not love the master, truly speaking. If anybody has become the beloved of the master, it's good. You should also become the beloved. See how the other one has become the beloved. Why does the master love him? There must be a reason for it. Such like love knows no competition, no saying, why has the other man gone forward? Quietly and unknowingly they are going on doing it. They won't show what they are doing. They'll go on and let others see for themselves. These are the things that are required. Christ said, love one another as I loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man may lay down his life. Love knows service and sacrifice for his friends. What did Christ say, do you know? Ye are my friends. He did not want to make us slaves. Masters never make you a slave. The beauty of our master was that he addressed us very respectfully, very lovingly. The master never makes slaves of you. He makes you friends. And why? If you do whatsoever I command you, henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what the Lord doeth. But I have called you my friends, for all things I have known of my Father I have made known to you. Do you follow? 
There are some so-called masters, I tell you, who treat others like they're slaves, bought slaves. They make the best use of them. And I tell you, master's conditions are very strong. Anyone who wants to take the service of his other disciple mates without the permission of the master, master turns away his face from him. We consider it jolly. Oh, everybody now loves me. He serves me. He gives me sacrifices. He gives me so many boons and donations. <coughs> we shouldn't. Whenever you have to compare, make the comparison that if one man does more, you will do still more. If he does, say, four hours of meditation, you put in five hours. That's a good competition, is it not? But that we do not do. That is a pity. And this is the basic cause of all conflicts, of all differences of opinion. Formations are made when we are wanting in love. I tell you honestly. And then there was a question, Maharaji, why don't you interpret the song that Madam Hardevi sang? And Master said, I gave you the gist of that. It went, they cry, oh minister, you have been repeating all the scriptures to me for ages. Now tell me how to find him, where to find him. Yes, where to find him, how to find him. I know I have to find him, but I do not know where and how. Religions all tell us that, but they do not tell us where to find him and how to find him. Those who are ministers are after keeping their religions intact and letting nobody run away out of them. They say, don't go to hear about any other religion, for if you do, you won't remain a Christian or Hindu or Mohammedan. They are after that, and the lovers say, how can I find God? All lovers are one. We are to join the army of God, mind that, but ministers keep you stuck fast in your dungeons, in watertight compartments. You are not to run away from this one, not to attend others. If you hear that, it will be a sin. What are all these things? These appear to be ridiculous, is it not so? That's it. So, formations result in stagnation. Religions go on as long as awakened men are there. Among those who are not awakened, they become strongholds. One religion begins to hate the other, and the stagnation takes this form. In this way only, you are acceptable to God. But we have to see with what love you perform one ritual or the other. That love counts, not the ritual or how you perform it. And naturally, stagnation results in deterioration. That's the cause of all these conflicts. They are spending thousands and millions of dollars for the upkeep of their own formations. They have been ready to kill hundreds and thousands of men for this sake in religious wars, but they would not like to serve those hungry gods moving on earth. I am giving you only a common sense talk. I I'd like to comment a couple of things on this talk. Um, the word that is translated comforter, which Master uses here, which he quotes accurately, the King James Version, and I always loved that term, comforter. Christian theology, of course, 
um, it refers to the holy, the concept of the Holy Spirit, which is God indwelling within us. And I think that Master was making, you know, was laying emphasis on this particular point. He was leaving in a couple of days, not permanently, was not leaving his body, but he was leaving us. He had been over here since September. It was now January. Some of us had been with him most of that time. And it was hard. It was the day he left, January 28, 1964. It was the bleakest day of my life up to that point. There were other bleak days after that, but that one was the bleakest up to then. And he was preparing us, you know. What you have, what I have given you, you won't lose. It's within you. You've got it. You can make use of it. And the, the term comforter is not usually considered by most scholars the best way to translate that word. In Greek, it's parakletos sometimes transliterated into English as paraclete, but usually translated advocate these days. You know, it's like the master power within us, the master in us, who came into us when we were initiated, or perhaps even before, whenever he took responsibility for us, that power that is within us is our advocate. And it's like our defense attorney. We have him with us all the time. He is ours, our friend, our comforter, our advocate. He is what enables us to make it in this world. It's a remarkable concept. And it is what the master gives us. We have it. It's there. It's ours. It is available to us. At the, at the same time, it is not always possible to understand, of course, and I, I've been through this many times and have almost always failed miserably in regard to understanding what the Master is doing with us at any particular time, either as a, as a Sangha, as a conglomerate or congregation of souls or as individuals. A story has been coming into my mind the last few days that I haven't thought about in years. Um, I'm not sure how relevant it is, but it seems somehow very relevant. And basically, it's a real life thing. It's something that happened with Sanchi and me, which I talked about at the time. It's published in one of the Santbanis back in the 1980s but I haven't looked at the article in years. Uh, so I'm speaking from memory, and my memory, God knows, is not what it used to be if it ever was, and it's um, um, full of holes, so we'll see. Anyway, it was one of the trips to Rajasthan in the mid-'80s, earlier mid-'80s, and I was, um, it was a great trip, I remember most of them were at that particular period. Um, I was compelled to meditate all night, and uh, I slept a few hours and was up at midnight or one, 
uh, couldn't sleep past, no, no, nothing of my doing, I just couldn't sleep past that, into the hall, six, seven hours, and then the day would begin. It was great. And uh, those trips were, were, you know, the acmes of my life, actually. And the conclusion of one of those trips, we were going down to Delhi, and Sanchi was going down. It was during the period when he often did go down to Delhi and do a program there. <coughs> um, for a couple of days. And he would stay at Papu's house. And he would go down in his car, of course, and usually Papu and maybe a couple of other people would go with him, and the rest of us would go on the bus, as I'm sure everyone remembers. On this particular occasion, I had had just terrible stomach illness and just enormously difficult cramps, very painful and incredible, and diarrhea so that I had no control over my bowels. This is the way I felt, and I was in constant pain. And I took Pepto-Bismol, and that was all I had at that time. And it wasn't, it was doing nothing. So I, I resolved that I would go down, you know, in the bus. I would just curl up as tight as I could, eat nothing but very bland stuff, and try to be out of it, and just uh, hope I got down there. Just before the bus took off, Sanchi sent for me. And he said, I want you to go in the car with me today. So this was, this was a tremendous honor. And I, lo I loved going, going in the car with him whenever I got the opportunity. And uh, so I was, on the one hand, overjoyed. <coughs> on the other hand, I instantly foresaw that it was not going to go like I had thought it would. So we got in the car, and it is just Sanchi, the driver, and me. Papu isn't in the car. I don't know why he didn't go on that day. I knew why at the time, but I don't remember why now. So there were just the three of us. We started off, and uh, as I recall, Sanchi was in the front seat with the driver, and I was in the back seat. Now, that may be wrong. It may have been the other way around. Probably was the other way around, but I still remember it that way and I was so I remember that I was looking at him the whole time and I was terribly afraid that I would have to stop the master's car in order to have a, a bowel movement and we drove on and on and eventually we stopped and he gave me Prashad and the Prashad that he gave me was salted cashew nuts which you know just looking at them made my stomach turn into three, four knots. And he not only gave it to me, so I th at first when he gave I thought, well, I'll save this until I'm feeling better, and I'll eat it later. But he stood there, and he watched me. And of course, Papu wasn't there. I couldn't explain anything to him. I couldn't say, well, I, I, I really don't feel good. I can't eat this right now. I tried to make some comment like that, but, but he wouldn't, uh, he wasn't getting to him. So he stood there, and I ate them, you know, and each one as I ate it felt like I was eating a knife. And uh, he stood until I had eaten the whole thing. Then he, he smiled with a look of great satisfaction, and we got in the car and drove off. 
And the whole trip down to Delhi, if you remember, it was a 12, 13-hour trip, was like that. We stopped four or five times. Each time he gave me prashad of something that was totally, totally wrong for what I was feeling. And uh, I don't remember how the diarrhea went, but it was no problem. I didn't have to, um, nothing special happened because of it. And I got to Delhi, it was fine. And we got to Papu's house and we went in and I realized that I was all over it. It was gone. I no longer had the stomach pain. I no longer had had the diarrhea. It was, it was just not a problem. And uh, I thought and thought about that, you know, because while it was happening, it seemed as though the Master was doing the worst possible thing that he could do for me. And if I grasped at any single moment, you know, I would think, what is he doing to me? What is this? Why is he making me hurt more? What's happening here? Yet, you know, it wasn't like that at all. He did know. And thinking about it, a great many of my memories of my encounters with the Master are like that. I often would get into this thing of, of being, going into despair, total or otherwise, and assuming that something was going very wrong, when in fact it was going very right. Only I didn't know it. In, in February 1972, I was in India with Master Kripal. It was before the tour, which was later that year. And um, I was in terrible frame of mind. I, it was the time I've talked about this before, in which I went without Judith and, and she should have been along, which I later discovered. And we did get her over there and then it became the most marvelous trip in the world. But. At this particular period, when I was over there by myself, thinking that I needed to be there alone with the Master, that is, without her, for spiritual reasons, everything was going wrong. And Master very, actually extremely humorously showed me what, what was happening with that. But during this period, I became aware that I was nowhere, you know. I, I had come over thinking that I would come before the Master and show him what I had accomplished in the last year and a half since I had seen him. And I had left him in, in uh, November 69 with a tremendous, he had given me just a tremendous amount. And he had sent me back to do a lot of things, and I had done them, by and large. Start the magazine. Uh, ex expand the ashram, you know, all those things happened uh, after I got back from India in November 69. Tremendously fertile and powerful period. And he had given that to me. And when I got back in February 72, all of that seemed like, like sand, you know, it's like I suddenly saw that I was nowhere, that I was nothing. And I, I spent hours and hours and I was in a room with seven other people and I didn't speak I didn't feel like talking to any of them I just sat there with a with a shawl over my head and meditated all day long and I, I uh, you know master was he would look at me he was very kind to me really he gave me a lot of grace um, in his eyes and and he would speak to me, he would be very friendly. But I didn't get a chance to talk to him for a number of days, and that added fuel to the fire. You know, I thought, I have really blown it. He is so displeased with me. When I finally got in to see him, 
And I don't know why it took so long, um, but I think he was very busy. I don't think it had anything to do with me. I think he was just had a lot to do. And it wasn't that easy to see individuals who were feeling sorry for themselves during that time. When I finally did get in to see him, I apologized to him for not having made any progress since I left him last. And I really meant it, and I really felt that I had blown everything, and I was nothing. And he looked at me very objectively, and he said, he said, you've made progress. He said, man can't always tell. And that's all he said, you know? It was as simple as that. Man can't always tell. That's the truth of it. We don't always know what is going on. So, those are the thoughts that I want to present to you today. What I want to do now is play a tape. Um, this is a tape of Papu's, not of Sanchi's, which I, some of you probably have heard. Um, I don't think, I can't believe that anyone who has heard it will object to hearing it again. Uh, this is a part of a talk he gave last summer at the on Sanchi's the anniversary of Sanchi's leaving, and he tells the story of Sanchi's leaving the the last day. <coughs> the love that permeates it. Now, I knew all the facts here. I mean, Papu had called us right after it happened. It's one of the calls he made that he mentions in the in the tape. He'd called us and told us what had happened in great detail, and it was published in the magazine, you know, with what he said to us. But still, hearing it, it was like, this is a new story. I have not heard this before. Yeah, there's some the passage of five years, the dimension of time and what's happened since and so forth makes, you know, it casts a glow on it which is different than the thing as we understood it at the time. And to me, it connects back with Master's talk that I read at the beginning of the satsang. Because Jesus, after all, was saying those things to his friends the night before he died. He was, this was his farewell admonition to them. And this is Papu talking about Sanchi the day that he died. And it connects. All right, I think it's, it's a fairly long, I, we're hearing only the part that connects directly to that. It's about, uh, I think around 35 minutes and uh, concludes with Papu singing a bhajan, which um, we will hear part of anyway. All right, go ahead. So we are very fortunate ones that we were given so much time to spend in his company I don't know whether this is, maybe this is true for everybody, but even though five years have passed, that we have not had any physical presence of our beloved Sanji, but still, all the moments which we have spent with him, they are still very fresh. 
you know, <clears throat> Sanji has often told you about my habit of going to watch the movies. And you know how in the movies sometimes when a character visualizes something or fantasizes about something and then you see on the screen that what he is fantasizing or what he is thinking is going to happen. Or sometimes you see things which have happened in the past which they call as flashback or something like that. So I feel in the same way these five years which have passed is like something which is not real. It all seems like unreal. It seems to me, it feels to me as if we are sleeping and this is like a bad dream and we'll be awakened from this sleep and this bad dream will end and everything will once again become the same as it was. We will once again have the physical presence of the Master. There will be programs, we will be brought to his feet, he will give us the same love, he will give us the same darshan, the same glances of his beautiful eyes. I mean, this is my wishful thinking. <coughs> because if you remember all what happened in these five years, spiritually we have lost a lot. And the remembrance of the last day, last day of the physical body of Sanji is so strong and I can't help myself but I feel like I should share that last day which was very painful for me in my life with all of you. <coughs> Few days before Sanji left his physical body, as you all know that we were preparing to come on the tour and uh, even though some dear ones had some indications from within which were overruled by Sanji, Sanji did not, Sanji actually said against that. But that was supposed to happen and it happened. So few days before the tour was going to start, maybe two weeks before that, Sanji allowed us to go to Singapore. I took my family there for a vacation. And when I left, Sanji was completely healthy. All the preparations for the tour were almost done. And so Sanji said, well, why don't you just go and spend some time with your family? Because then you will be gone for a long time with me. So that is why I took my family to Singapore. And when we got there and I made a phone call to Gurmail, then I came to know that Sanji was not doing well. He had become sick and that worried me and I wanted to come back to India right away but I was told that no there is no need to worry and it is just a little bit of weakness and everything is going to be alright. <coughs> and when I came back to India because it was a very short trip maybe four or five days when I came back to Delhi I called the ashram and I was told that everything was okay and Sanji was getting back to normal and the tour was still on and there was no need to worry. But on that fateful day, <coughs> the day when beloved Sanji left his physical body, early morning of that day, actually the day before, <coughs> just before three o'clock, I had a terrible, very frightening dream <coughs> in which I don't know where I was taken but I was taken through very dark places and it was very frightening 
but at the end of that i came in front of our beloved sanji and that removed my fear sanji was sitting there and the place where he was sitting was not very bright it was not very illuminated it was kind of very dark and dingy place and it was not something that one would feel happy looking at but still i was relieved to see beloved sanji there because i had gone through that dark places and it was very frightening and what i saw was that there was a westerner who came and uh, he had come to take sanji's picture and he asked me to ask sanji that when he should come to take the photo he used the word photo and sanji replied that yes now the time has come to take the photo and photo will be taken tell him to come at 12 o'clock at 12 o'clock the photo will be taken now the words which sanji said in punjabi which literally translate into english as the photo will be taken taken at 12 o'clock usually in india when somebody is going to die they use those words that now your photo will be taken or now my photo is going to be taken because taking photo is like the last thing one can do in one's lifetime so when i heard that i didn't feel comfortable and i and i was woken up from that dream and i was very terrified i was very afraid because usually you know when you have the darshan of the master you wake up with a lot of happiness a lot of peace a lot of joy but here i was i was very much terrified and i could not understand the meaning of that so i woke up my wife shashi and i told her about my dream and we were trying to figure out that what that could mean that the photo will be taken at 12 o'clock even though i knew and my mind was telling me that something bad is going to happen maybe sanji is going to leave at 12 o'clock but i did not want to believe that and while we were just debating over this we were we were discussing this i think at about 3:45 in the morning of the 5th of july the phone rang and gurmail called me up from rising nagar and he told me <coughs> i asked him as soon as i heard that it was gurmail i asked him well how is sanji he said oh yes he is fine i came here to rising nagar to bring some medicine for him uh, but he has told me to give you a message he has said that you should cancel the tour i said well cancel the tour how is sanji is he all right he said yeah yeah he is okay he is little weaker but there is no need to worry he is okay and he just told me that since i am going to rising nagar to get some medicine i should call you and i should tell you that the tour is off <coughs> now i i could not take that from gurmail and i said well should i come he said no 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 there is no need for you to come don't worry everything is fine sanji is okay and he is weak but he will he'll be okay in few days but i think that he is feeling too weak for the tour and that is why he has said that the tour should be cancelled so he told me that i should tell you and then you, so that you can inform the people that sanji is not going on the tour so once again i asked him if i should come 
And once again, he tried to discourage me. He said, no, 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 you don't need to come. Don't think anything bad or anything like that. Sanji is okay. Now, he knew that what, what I was thinking. And he, he said, no, 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 you should not worry. He will be all right and he is okay. But I, I couldn't stay there. I couldn't stay in Delhi. I called. After I finished my call with Gurmeet, I made up my mind that I should go to Rajasthan. But I could not go all by myself. And I could not take anyone from my family either. So I called Jawahar, my brother, who was living on the first floor, the second floor of the house. And because it was the summer and maybe the phone was on some, in some other room and because the air conditioner was on and he did not hear the phone ringing, so there was no answer. Then I thought of a couple of other people whom I could take. I thought of Mr. Oberoi, but then I also remembered that maybe that was not a good idea, so I didn't call him up. And later on, Mr. Rabura got very up upset with me that why I didn't call him. Then I tried calling my brother-in-law, Shashi's brother, and they also didn't answer the phone. Usually, in those days, whenever I would have an opportunity to go to Rajasthan, I would take Mr. Handa. He is a satsangi, and those who have been to Sampla, they might remember him, a bald guy, who would even go to the airport to receive the dear ones. So usually I would call him and I, I would take him with me, but on that day I knew that he was sick, he had diarrhea, and I didn't want to take him. That is why I was trying all these different people. But finally when I could not get hold of either my brother Jawahar or my brother-in-law, and I didn't want to call anybody else, so then I was compelled to call Mr. Handa, knowing very well that he would not be able to come with me. But when he got my phone, he was very surprised and he asked me, well, what happened? I said, no, 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 nothing has happened. But this is what Gurmail has said and I, feel, and I feel that I should go. Even though he has said that there is nothing to worry about. I asked Mr. Handa that, can you come? He said that, oh yeah, I'll be there in 15 minutes. So he came <coughs> and then we drove all the way from Delhi to Rajasthan straight. We did not stop even for gas or anything on the way because I was worried about that 12 o'clock. And I wanted to make that trip. I wanted to reach Ashram before 12 o'clock because somewhere in my mind that taking the photo at 12 o'clock was bothering me. And I remembered at that time something which my beloved Sanji, my beloved master had said to me which unfortunately did not come true. I don't know why. I, don't, I still don't know why he changed his will. Maybe there was something wrong with my karma or something like that. But I remember at that time that Sanji had told me that we will go together. Let me just tell you this incident also. It was, I think, in 1976 when Sanji had spent 45 days in our home while he was waiting for his passport and the visas when the first tour was going to happen in 1976 and then it didn't happen. So at the end of that stay, 
one day sanji and i we both went to the train station to book the train ticket and from there sanji wanted to go and buy a wicker chair a chair like master kripal singh used to have so we were on that uh, man pulled cycle rickshaw and sanji was talking to me i still remember that we both were sitting so close to each other it's a small place that the the seat is very small so we both were sitting there and sanji was telling me about the times when the masters leave the body and the disciples fight and i mean what happens people lose the benefit of the seva they lose the fruit of the meditation and things like that and he was giving me so many examples of taiji and this and that and so many people so i kind of got worried and i said in my innocence i said sanji then what is the use of doing so much seva if one has to lose everything at the end when the master leaves the body and sanji said no 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 it is not true not everybody goes through that thing not everybody loses the seva and then he told me about guru ramdas that how he became the master by doing the seva of his master even though his master was his father in law but still he treated him as god he always understood him as his master as god almighty and that is how he did the seva and at the end he got all the riches of naam from him so he said that no no it is not like that and you don't have to worry about that time we both will go together these are the exact words which he said so when i was going to rajasthan i remember that and i it was like somewhere in my heart this voice was coming that sanji was going to leave at 12 o'clock and i wanted to make it to him before he would leave because i didn't want to be left behind i remember that he had said that we will go together so that trip was very painful <clears throat> i was driving like crazy and when we got to 16 ps just at the point where you take a turn to go to the ashram when i turned my car there when i took a turn i saw gurmail's mother coming out of the ashram gate and uh, she looked normal so that made me little happier so i drove very fast towards her and i stopped right at her feet and she was surprised to see me there and i asked her that how is sanji and she said well he is okay they have just come back from rising nagar after seeing a doctor and now he is okay but this morning he had become very sick so it turned out that when gurmail was calling me from rising nagar at that time sanji was also with him seeing a doctor <coughs> which i was not told at that time so when she told me that he was okay i felt kind of relieved and i went in the ashram and then i ran ran to his room and i saw him lying on the bed he did not look sick at all he looked as if he was just resting he he looked little bit weaker but he was in all his glory he was very radiant and he was just lying on the bed and when i got there he made me sit <coughs> on that small round stool like thing and he 
held my hands and he asked me how was the family and like that i asked him how are you and he said no i am okay i am fine it is just a little bit of weakness but i am okay and the way he looked to me the way he gave me his darshan i cannot forget <coughs> that darshan was full of assurance that everything is going to be all right and there is no need to panic and it was exactly 12 o'clock that i got to his room and when that 12 o'clock time passed away then i felt very relieved that now that photo thing is gone and i don't need to worry about that and sanji is very much there and i became very happy inside so after asking how the family was and some other things and he said well gurmeel told you about cancellation of the tour he said that he was sorry that he would not be able to serve the sangat as he had promised and he was very much aware that how the dear ones had traveled many people had already traveled from from as long as india to attend the program in here in vancouver and also in calgary or or on in shamoga wherever he was going <coughs> so he said that he was very sorry that people have traveled a long distances they have made so much arrangement they have spent so much money but it is not in the will of beloved kripal that i go at this time so we will have to cancel this tour and you should cancel this you should tell the dear ones and please apologize to them on my behalf and i said okay sanji don't worry about that that will be done you just relax and you just rest and then he called gurmeel and he said that go and get the food ready for papu i said sanji <coughs> you know in ashram usually they have the lunch at 12:50 10 minutes of 1 o'clock so i said well sanji it's just half an hour away i can wait for that <coughs> lunch time so there is no need to rush he said no 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 i know you have not had anything since this morning he knew he knew that ever since i was woken up by that terrifying dream i had not had anything to drink or eat and he knew and that is why he told gurmeel that don't wait for the lunch time don't well don't wait for the ringing of the bell just get the food ready for papu and go and make him eat and then he said that papu you go and eat and then you take some rest and then i will see you after the tea so i followed him whatever he said i did that because i had become very happy after seeing him he did not look sick and he was very jolly and when he was telling me about the cancellation of the tour at the same time he had said some humorous things too and uh, he also talked about the future tours and like that so when i saw him again at like 3:15 after the tea i had the tea with him <coughs> in his room and uh, then we talked more about the future tours and the programs and so many other things and this time he was sitting up he was not lying down he was sitting up and he looked to me he looked completely healthy very beautiful very radiant and i couldn't believe that he had been to see a doctor this morning and gurmeel was also there 
and I was with him for like two and a half hours and we were talking about all the things, all the issues. And then Sanji told me that, okay, Papu, tomorrow morning you should get up early and then you should go to Delhi and you should make the phone calls so that people get some notice because already it is too late for people to cancel anything. They, they have already made the arrangements, but still we should tell them as soon as possible about the cancellation of the tour. And uh, because we had all of our tickets and everything, so I had to go and cancel the tickets and do all the paperwork for that. So he said that you should go. At that time, Gurmail, I don't know why, but maybe Gurmail had some inclination. Maybe he had some insight. When Sanji told me that I should get up early in the morning and I should go to Delhi and do all this work, Gurmail said that Sanji, Gurmail, uh, Papu can go to Ganganagar and make the phone calls. Let him stay here for a couple of days. And Sanji said, no, 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 you don't know. He has a great responsibility on his head. Let him go to Delhi and do all the work over there. I am okay. Don't worry about me. I'll be all right. I got some feeling that maybe Gurmail is worried and maybe he feels that he will not be able to handle this all alone. And he had told me that he would want, he, he would prefer if I stayed there. I said, well, I don't mind staying here, but Sanji has said that I should go, so I have to go. So when Sanji was telling me about all these things and the way he looked, I had no idea that he will change his mod, he will change his will suddenly and he will fly away, he will go away. In fact, this is what I told Mr. Handa, the guy who had accompanied me, that I feel that tonight after the dinner, Sanji will call me and he said, well, Papu, forget about cancellation of the tour. It's okay. I'm feeling okay. And uh, let us have the tour on and let us go and do the tour and everything is going to be all right. I was feeling that something like that is going to happen. I say this because the way Sanji looked. He did not look sick. He did not look like he was going to leave. This was at about 6.30 that when I came down from his room. Afterwards, after the dinner, I saw a lot of activity going outside Sanji's room. Gurmail's brother told me this later on that usually Sanji never allows him to do any physical seva. But on that day, he asked for him, particularly for him, and he asked him to bring the buckets of water and pour in front of Sanji's room. And he did that. And everything seemed okay until I think about 11 o'clock. At 11 o'clock, Sanji started feeling uneasy. This is what I was told by Gurmail and his family, his father, because Gurmail's father was also there, his uncle was also there, Gurmail was also there. So he started feeling uneasy at about 11 o'clock and Gurmail said that we should go to the doctor. And Sanji said, no, 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 I'll be okay. But I think it went on like this for half an hour. And at 11.30, Sanji said, he called Gurmail and he said that, 
Now I have had enough. Let us go to the doctor. Take me to the doctor, he said. At once I was called and before I could get in my car, they had already put Sanji in the car and they had already left the ashram. So I followed them. And since I was not very well aware of the doctor's place in Raisinagar, it took me like three, four minutes to get to the doctor after they had arrived at the hospital. It was a small hospital there. And when I got there, they had put Sanji on the stretcher and they were waiting for the heart specialist because the doctor in the hospital thought that maybe Sanji has had a heart attack or something like that. So the heart specialist came and by the time we got there, the heart specialist also came and Gurumail was standing towards the head of Sanji and I was standing at, towards the feet of Sanji and the doctor took Sanji's blood pressure, which was very, very low and he asked Sanji to open his mouth and show him his tongue. Sanji not only opened his mouth to show his tongue, but he also made a voice a very strong voice, just like when you say, ah, like that. And when I saw that, I, I felt kind of relieved and I said, well, it looks like everything is going to be okay. And then Sanji also opened his eyes and he looked straight at me. I was looking there and I remember seeing his eyes and I did not see anything in the eyes which could tell me that he's going to leave the body in the next moment. And the doctor said, okay, let us take him to the uh, operation theater because over there they had the oxygen cylinder and they wanted to hook up the oxygen cylinder to Sanji. So then Sanji closed his eyes and as we moved the stretcher, I saw his hand was falling like this. And that's how, and that's when he left. But we could not believe that this is how Sanjeev would go. So when we went in the operation theater and the doctor brought the oxygen mask and he, he felt the pulse and Sanjeev was gone, he said, now there is no use, he is gone. And we couldn't believe that. And I, I got upset, I told doctor, well, what is this? You should do something, make some efforts, do, some, do something press on his chest or do something. He said, no, 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 he is gone. Gurmail was there, I was there, Gurmail's father and his uncle, Mr. Handa was there. And no one could believe because we all had seen Sanji getting even worse, getting more sick at other times. And this time he was not sick. We did not feel that he was sick or he was going to leave. So when we brought him back to the ashram, they wanted to rest his body on the room below his, his bedroom. But I insisted that, no, we should take him to his room. My mind was thinking that maybe this is all a drama. This is all a dream-like thing happening. 
and he will wake up soon he will wake up so we carried him to his room and over there according to the indian tradition they wanted him to lie on the floor because they say that once the person has left the body the body should not be put on the bed it should be put on the floor so they wanted to do that and i opposed that i said no 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 we should make him lie down on the on the bed we should not worry about what the people will say but we should this is his bed and he should sleep on his bed and since sanji had left some instructions with gurmail that people should not cry and we didn't have to wait for anybody to come and we should do the cremation right away and things like that so all that discussion was going on and then i i had to go and call everybody so i went to raising nagar and i could not make the phone calls i went to ganga nagar then and i made all the phone calls and by the time i came back it was like 5 o'clock in the morning and i don't know what happened i was spaced out that even though i had made all the phone calls myself but when i entered the ashram i asked the guy at the gate how is sanji now this was this is the question which i always used to ask whenever i would enter the ashram that how is sanji and he said well papu what happened are you where are you and when i went to sanji's room and everybody was sitting there on the floor and sanji was on on his bed i asked bunt did you make chai for did you make tea for baba ji and then we could not control ourselves
ਨਹੀਂ ਸੀ ਛੱਡ ਜਾਣਾ ਸਾਨੂੰ ਮਾਲੀਆਵੇ ਨਹੀਂ ਸੀ ਛੱਡ ਜਾਣਾ ਸਾਨੂੰ ਮਾਲੀਆਵੇ ਕਿੱਥੇ ਗਏ ਦਾਤਾ ਜੀ ਕਿੱਥੇ ਗਏ ਪਰੀਤ ਮਾਵੇ ਕਿੱਥੇ ਗਏ ਦਾਤਾ ਜੀ ਕਿੱਥੇ ਗਏ ਪਰੀਤ ਤਾ ਜੇ ਹੁੰਦਾ ਨਾਲ ਹੀ ਜਾਂਦੇ ਕਾਨੂਏਦੇ ਦੁਖੜੇ ਉਠਾਂਦੇ ਪਤਾ ਜੇ ਹੁੰਦਾ ਨਾਲ ਹੀ ਜਾਂਦੇ ਕਾਨੂਏਦੇ ਦੁਖੜੇ ਉਠਾਂਦੇ जे चिर लोणा सी रखवाली आवे जे चिर लोणा ਅਜਬ 
shape my distorted fate. Come, see what the condition of your disciples has become. Today all the dear brothers have become torn apart. Who else is there who can reshape my distorted fate? Today, O oh giver, without you it has become dark. O oh, beloved of Sawan, Come, give us the darshan. Who else is there who can reshape my distorted fate? The storm of sin is raging. Come and save us. O oh, beloved Satguruji, except you there is no other support. In this burning world the fire is raging. O oh, giver, shower grace and bring the fountains of nectar. You are the protector of the Sangat, and Ajayb says one thing, I have left all other refuge and rely only on your support. Come, 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 my beloved Kripalji, the support of the suffering ones. Who else is there who can reshape my distorted fate? Bhajan of Sanchi on page 85. Aja, 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 mere kire palaji, dukia de sahare, hey, kona jo bigari meri, taka de savare. Aja, 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 mere kiripalaji, dukiyade sahare, hey kona jo bigari meri, takadir savare. 